Welcome to the Wish Well Podcast, a women's integrative summit on health and wellness. A podcast hosted by Dr. Michelle Dang, a board-certified anesthesiologist and pain management physician with additional fellowship training in integrative medicine. This podcast will feature weekly episodes with women from all walks of life discussing their health and wellness journeys. everyone, welcome to this week's episode of the Women's Integrative Summit on Health and Wellness, the Wishwell Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Michelle Ding. I am super excited to share this week's episode with you all just because this week's guest is the same specialty as I am and we share a lot of common interests. So it's a super fun episode. I recorded this a few months back. But before we get into it, I wanted to just share with you all, and I will be sharing with you in the upcoming episodes as well as I have a better idea. I will be wrapping up season two in a few weeks. So I anticipate ending season two sometime in mid-June, and I'll be taking a little bit of a break, probably a few weeks off before I delve into season three. I have a lot of exciting ideas for this next season, and it will be a shift from the first two seasons, and I'm working on it right now, trying to gather our guests for the next season and changing the um, logo for the season as well as um, the name for and the title for the season. So I will be dropping some more information on the next season as it comes to fruition and as I start recording. So I'm super excited about that. I have been working on it for the last couple of months, but of course life gets in the way and I wanted to give myself some self-compassion and not pressure myself into trying to do too much at one time. So definitely wanted to give myself a little bit of a break. So I hope you bear with me and for all of my listeners who have been tuning in since the very beginning, I appreciate you all, of course, and I'm so glad that you are sticking around listening to these episodes. I do enjoy creating them every week for you. Without further ado, I want to introduce this week's episode number 71, Integrative Interventional Pain in Ayurvedic Medicine with Dr. Harani China. On this week's episode, I connect with Dr. Chainaj, who is a fellow integrative interventional pain management physician, and she is actually a former competitive gymnast, and um, her influence of her Indian cultural upbringing, she's always been passionate about fitness, nutrition, holistic healing, and their vital role alongside modern medicine in building a mindset in which comprehensive wellness is a lifestyle. She shares her approach to chronic pain management in her patients. We also spend some time talking about Legree Fitness, which is how we connected on social media a few years ago. So I'm super excited, especially because, you know, um, being a chronic pain management physician, it's always nice to talk to a fellow chronic pain management physician who shares so much, so much in common with me in terms of um, her approach to managing patients with chronic pain. You can find out more about Dr. Chena on Instagram at Dr. Harney Chena, and I will post that information on the show notes as well as her full bio, which will be located on wishwell.health.blog. And if you have been listening to my closing credits, you've probably heard me talk about Legree Fitness briefly. You can find out more about Legree Fitness on legreefitness.com, and you can save on your home microformer machine with my code, which is MD. Until next time, take care, stay safe, and stay healthy, and I will talk to you all next week.
Hi, everyone. It's Dr. Michelle Dang with the Women's Integrative Summit on Health and Wellness, the Wishwell podcast. I'm here today with Dr. Harani Chenna. And actually, she and I connected, I believe it was over social media. Um, I am a big proponent of fitness, and I practice Legree Fitness, which is um, a very intense strength training type of workout. And I believe I saw you on Instagram and was like, oh my gosh, a pain management doctor who also loves Legree. She's my soul sister. And so I think that we've known each other for maybe about a year or two around there. Um, and I'm so happy to have her on the podcast to share with you her words for health and wellness, which is integrative interventional pain and Ayurvedic medicine. So welcome. How are you? I'm good. Thanks so much for having me and ditto on all of that because it's so nice to find such a like mind and a soul sister for sure within our space. So yeah. Awesome. Well, I'm super excited. And it's funny because I've had this podcast for almost a year now, and I'm sure many of my listeners know that I'm a chronic pain management physician, but I don't think that I've ever really delved into chronic pain management or interventional pain. And so I'm super happy that you are coming on this podcast today to talk a little bit about that, because I'm sure that we'll have some great conversation around that. So to start, why don't you share a little bit with the listeners, kind of your your personal journey into this specific field of, of health and wellness? Sure. So I am of Indian origin. And I say that because I have such a large influence, um, or my culture really has such a large influence on me as a person and as a physician as well. You know, I, I believe in a lot of Eastern holistic Ayurvedic kind of techniques for, you know, day to day life and certainly medicine as well. Um, I am a chronic interventional pain physician uh, like yourself, and I really believe in the integration of so many modalities. I think that for complete wellness, you know, it requires kind of Western philosophy of modern medicine with interventions, which include, you know, fluoroscopy guided procedures, ultrasound guided procedures, as well as spinal cord stimulation, peripheral nerve stimulation. Um, within our space, but then also really a look kind of widely at wellness um, in total. You know, I think that includes integrating fitness, nutrition, uh, mindfulness, and all those components that really make, um, make you whole and really help you heal. I think that when I see patients in my clinic, it's never just you know, one thing that I think will help them. And, you know, I, I talk to them from the get-go about the foundation that I think is really instrumental um, to build um, for really a lifetime of wellness. And I, I'm so passionate about that because I really believe in it. Um, and, you know, like you said, I, I agree it's one of my favorite, favorite um, fitness workouts. I think it is awesome. It's strength building and it's really gives you the mindset of, um, you know, telling you that you push yourself and you can do it. And um, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. And I think, you know, nowadays we are learning so much more about just the human body and prevention. We're learning more about prevention more so now than we did back then. And, uh, when people talk about multimodal therapy, what is that? Can you kind of explain to some of our listeners what exactly that means? Sure. And I think that is a fair point because we've really evolved within medicine really as a culture 
And I think what multimodal means over even the past year is so different and individual. To me, mm -hmm. I, you know, I think it means really utilizing interventional pain techniques, some of which I described, along with, you know, a regular physical fitness regimen. You know, I incorporate physical therapy in every single one of my patients' mm -hmm. um, plans, you know, and I think you know, in fact, I have a yoga mat in my office and I will sit down with them and show them stretches that I think will help them because, you know, that, that is really what I think multimodal means in addition to using um, really evidence-based kind of ideas about nutrition and um, meditation. So, you know, to me, that's what a multimodal approach is, you know, and it also means working with my colleagues in neurosurgery, with orthopedic surgeons, with psychologists and really collaborating to create, you know, a very thorough plan for the patient. You know, I, I think a lot of times that communication is not optimized in medicine, but I think it's really the cornerstone of helping patients feel better and really make forward progress. Um, you know, because for me, I think asking someone what number their pain rating is, is not as helpful as saying, hey, what do you want to achieve in a week? What do you want to achieve in a month? And what do you want to achieve in a year? And using those parameters to help guide, um, certainly numbers and the number scale is useful, but to get a really multidisciplinary um, effect on their pain treatment and wellness, I think you have to be forward thinking and encompassing all of those things. Exactly. It is about every little bit. And so tell us a little bit about what made you want to go into the field of chronic pain. I know your background is anesthesia, right? Right. Yep. And uh, so from there, um, after you did your four years of anesthesia, what made you want to go deeper and have, you know, practice pain management? Sure. So it's interesting. I actually was a competitive gymnast until undergrad. Um, so at, athletics and fitness uh, nutrition that were just ingrained in me. Um, and, you know, I love anesthesia. I think it is a great field. And when I thought, you know, what do I want to do with my training in anesthesia? I really loved doing procedures. I liked the hands-on experience and I really loved connecting with patients um, in a clinic space and just for, you know, long-term continuity of care. And so I saw pain management as the perfect opportunity really for me to share my passion of, you know, fitness and nutrition, along with my strong interest in doing procedures and helping patients with improving their lifestyle and, you know, improving their goals and achieving their goals, really. So for me, it was really just the perfect combination. And I tell you, I don't regret it. I love every day. I don't even feel like it's work. I feel like it's just like my dream. Awesome. I think that's so important to view your job as not just your job. You know, you want it to be sustainable. You want to be able to practice for a long time. And, uh, and I know personally chronic pain is, um, quite challenging, and so what do you do? What, how do you handle those challenging chronic pain patients? What do you tell them? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, <laughs> just how challenging it can be. I mean, I, I literally, you know, I see this every day, but 
You know, in the beginning, I used to get very intimidated um, by that because I felt like I was getting nowhere. But actually, I've kind of approached it a little differently, and it seems to have worked. You know, I when I see patients, I start, you know, at our initial visit, I tell them kind of what my philosophy is. You know, I tell them why um, why I set up my practice this way, why why I think it's the best thing for them, and I give them a chance to really like ask questions and ask, you know, figure out what is best for them. So, you know, I get a lot of pushback sometimes, right? You, you think of a chronic mm-hmm. pain physician and you think everyone may push you on opioids and, you know, other things like that. And that certainly comes up. But what I do is I take the time to explain to them that we're not here for just today, tomorrow, you know, we're here for their lifetime of, you know, building a, a lifestyle of wellness. And, you know, I think sometimes when you really take the time to sit down and explain to patients these things, Mm -hmm. then, you know, maybe it may take a few visits. I'm not saying the first visit is like a success and they, you know, are ready to rock and roll and go to PT. But, um, you know, I think spending that time and really explaining to them helps. Um, And, you know, I'm firm. I, I think that's the other thing. I'm very firm in what you know, I believe is the best and what I can offer them. Um, And, you know, I, my goal is to give them the care that I would give or expect to see my parents and my brother and, you know, my sister get and that, and, and that's it. You know, I, Mm -hmm. I don't waver in that because I know it's the right thing to do. Yeah. And I think uh, what a lot of patients and not just chronic patients, a lot of patients need is just to feel that they are being listened to by their physician. And so I think it's, it's challenging sometimes just because often you go to a doctor and, um, you know, they have a certain number of patients that they have to see per hour per day. And so it feels a little bit rushed, but you know, if a patient can go to a doctor and actually feel that they're being listened, if they have some chronic pain issues, they just want their doctor, their doctor, I was going to say daughter, they just want their doctor (laughs) to, to really take that time to listen to them and also meet them where they are. Some patients, as you know, some patients are just not ready to take that next step to go to physical therapy, but where are they at on that particular day? Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I think that's a really important point, you know, being able to meet them where they are. I mean, so many times, just as you said, I mentioned the physical therapy, they may not be ready for six months, but you know Mm -hmm. what, that's okay. Like that's, that means that we just have to get there. And I think, like you said, taking the time to talk with them, I mean, I, I feel like that is the most important thing, letting them be heard. You know, I, if I were in their shoes, I would want to be heard. No, you know, everyone does. And I think they deserve that and more. So I, I certainly agree with that theory. Well, I want to shift gears a little bit and kind of talk about you a little bit. And so you mentioned being a competitive gymnast. And so you said that fitness has always really been a part of your life. So talk to us a little bit about yourself and what it was like being a competitive gymnast and how has that kind of shaped the way you approach your chronic pain patients? Definitely. I'll tell you, those were the best years of my life. Um, I loved Mm -hmm. it. And I was lucky to have parents who would let me like flip all over the house and didn't, (laughs) didn't mind that I was like, just probably destroying the house as I was doing it. But you know what, they supported me fully. And it was amazing. Actually, I'll tell you a funny story. I woke up one day, I was like 10 years old, it was my birthday. 
and this, my the door to my bedroom was closed. I'm just like, it's kind of weird, but I opened it and there was a balance beam literally waiting outside my room that like led to the living room. Oh, wow. That was, am- <laughs> that was amazing. I know. So my dad had like, my dad had like built this balance beam with our neighbor, um, our neighbor, uh, dad. And it was like the best day ever. I mean, I can't tell you, I don't know why that, that really sticks in my mind because it just, you know, I don't know what I would have done without the most supportive parents and family in the world. They really encouraged me, um, throughout. And interestingly, you know, I always knew I wanted to go into medicine, um, but I also knew I wanted to pursue gymnastics. And so, um, you know, it was tough at times with school, but I, I loved every minute of it. And it taught me a lot, you know, it taught me to be disciplined. It taught me how to manage my time and, and taught me kind of also the importance in self-care and taking the time to make yourself stronger. Um, you know, I think nowadays, especially in the COVID times, we're all hearing, you know, take time for yourself and grow and become stronger to help those around you. And it's so true, you know, and I think, um, sports and athletics in general, especially the gymnastics taught me that and really taught me to never give up and really just, you know, keep trying to achieve my goals. Awesome. And so how do you incorporate your background with fitness? How does that come into play with your chronic pain patients? So I definitely talk to all my patients about specific exercises that they can do. Actually, um, like I said, I literally have some resistance bands and a yoga mat in my office. And oftentimes, you know, when I see patients and I um, can correlate kind of some easier exercises for them to do with the type of pain they're having, whether it's low back, chronic neck pain, um, any of those things, I, I, I literally sit down with them and I show them some some easy stretches. I think that it can be very intimidating for somebody who is not just so open to, you know, starting a fitness regimen and it can be kind of overwhelming, I think. So for me, I think baby steps, you know, if they're able to do one thing, literally one thing, even for the next two months, then I consider that forward progress. So Exactly. It is just like, you know, listening to the patient and meeting where they meeting them where they are. Same thing with fitness. And I think just the word fitness can seem very intimidating to so many people because they just envision people in six packs and huge muscles. And it's really not, not about that at all. (laughs) Exactly. No, totally. I, I think we have to kind of help patients, you know, get away from that mentality and, and take smaller, smaller sips and smaller tastes of med, uh, fitness, because that's the only way I think. Exactly. So tell me a little bit, you mentioned, you talked a little bit about Ayurvedic med- medicine. So talk to us a little bit about that for those of us who don't really know what that is and how you incorporate that with chronic pain patients. Yeah, totally. Um, so it is kind of an umbrella term, I think, um, and a way of practicing in India and a lot of um, Eastern nations in the world. Um, but it really incorporates, a, you know, a lot of yoga, stretching, meditation, and mindfulness um, into just daily life, as well as kind of using whole ingredients and herbs for cooking and 
nutrition as well as for skincare. Um, I use a lot of kind of, let's see, what's the word? Um, I guess like Indian and Asian ingredients for hair care and skincare and um, just for even something even as simple as, you know, mixing water with lemon and turmeric, for example, is one easy example of kind of an Ayurvedic based um, way to approach wellness. And so do you talk to some of your patients about all of this? Um, and what is their reaction? <laughs> yes, good question. So I do. Um, you know, I think that sometimes and I, I I know you know this, you kind of get a sense of who might respond better. So mm -hmm. there's that, you know, kind of trying to figure out who would be more receptive to it. But I talk to them about it. And I, I explain it kind of in this way, too. And I think some people are like, oh, that's crazy. I'm never going to do this, you know, whatever. But, um, you know, you'd be surprised. I think that a lot of people just don't know and no one's taken the time to really mm -hmm. explain what it is. Um, and they're afraid to even think about it. But I do actually have several patients who are quite interested in it. And I've guided them um, into kind of ways to integrate Ayurvedic medicine into their life. Um, you know, the water example is one easy one. Um, and then just even, you know, Pilates yoga and doing some simple stretches that that really is part of Ayurvedic medicine too. You know, yoga actually originated in India and it's interesting. Um, the last time I went to India with my family about a year ago, I went to this really awesome like ashram yoga kind of retreat in the Himalayas. And it was just amazing. amazing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was amazing. We'll go one day, Michelle. <laughs> yeah. That sounds yeah. so amazing. <laughs> it's so up your alley. And it's, I mean, I, amazing is such an understatement. But anyways, it, there's just so much to be said about you know, even with meditation, sitting in silence and really being with yourself. And it's very hard to do, you know, I, for, I've been fortunate because it's really a part of my daily routine throughout the day, um, because it's a part of my Hindu culture. But I think meditation and mindfulness are something else that's really hard to grasp um, if you're not used to it. And I think that the key, and I tell my patients this as well, is to really make it what it is to you. Like there's no formula. And I think that I, I see patients thinking like, I'm not doing it right. Or how do I, you know, how, what is the correct way? And, and the reality is there isn't really a correct way. You know, if it speaks to you, then mm -hmm. it's great. Then it works. You know, if, if that's just sitting in silence for two minutes or, you know, chanting and using mantras, you know, it's it's very personal and I try to guide them and try to customize it to their liking and to what they're comfortable with. So. Yeah. I will say when I started my yoga journey back in 2012, meditation was super foreign to me and it still is challenging, but I think you're right. It's finding whatever works. So meditation, there's so many different types of and kinds of meditation. Um, for me, guided meditations are always just a little bit easier than just sitting in silence. And, uh, but I think in, in our country, um, and maybe I'm just generalizing the idea of mindfulness and meditation and awareness and mind body, all of that is pretty new. And so I wonder, and this is, I'm just curious, um, 
do you know anything about, you know, how in India, all of this is pretty much like you kind of grew up with us. It's very mainstream. Um, do you know anything about like chronic pain in India? How does it compare to the U.S.? I'm just curious. <laughs> yeah, no, I think that in general, the threshold for pain is much higher in India. And I definitely see that in even within family members and, you know. I think in Asian like, countries too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, completely. Definitely yeah. in Asian countries. And I think, and I think a lot of, you know, third world countries as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that comes with, you know, resource distribution and kind of just, you know, just lifestyle and how, how people grow up. But um, yeah, I certainly, I definitely think that the threshold is, is much higher. So like, you know, I also, you know, and I also think that integrating these things into one's daily life makes a difference. And that may also be, and you know, why partly they are able to tolerate a much, you know, tolerate much more pain, um, you know, because I can't think of a single person in my parents' generation who had an epidural. That's just one example. (laughs) I mean, you know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, yeah, I'm sure it's the same for you, right? Like, I don't even like, there's no way none none of them did. And my grandma, yeah, well, that's like, like, there's no way she doesn't know what an epidural is, right? Of course. I mean, and, and that, you know, that generation, even in the US, that may have been true. But um, yeah, and I think I can speak a little bit to the, you know, the Hindu religion. So like, when, you know, when we pray, when we have our pujas, which are essentially religious ceremonies, a lot of it is comprised of, you know, what, what we're talking about, meditation. I mean, a lot of times, um, you know, that, that really is what the basis of our religious ceremonies are. So, mm-hmm. you know, I think that is one mechanism of centering and really, you know, looking inside oneself. Um, and I think by doing that, it, it helps people certainly in India with the pain and trying to like, you know, internalize and manage it. So. Well, I think here in the U.S., it just feels like we're so disconnected in so many ways. We're not really connected mm-hmm. to ourselves. And although we may feel like we're connected to everyone else, it's, you know, there's so much social media. And so you feel like you're connected, but you're really not, you know? And so Mm -hmm. I thought that was interesting what you're saying about being in India and really connecting to yourself. And there's more and more talk, which I'm very grateful for just in recent times about self-love, self-compassion. I think we're, we're shifting a little bit, hopefully (laughs) in a positive way. And I think there's more and more, I mean, I I'm kind of a wellness health and wellness junkie podcast junkie. And I listen to everything available about self-love, self-compassion and and wellness. And so I think there definitely is a positive movement, um, here. So hopefully that will continue going. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think it just takes time, right. You know, it's Mm -hmm. not like you can just amass a different kind of cultural ideology all of a sudden overnight. I mean, it, it takes kind of testing the waters, you know, so to speak. So, right. 
Well, we are running out of time, but I definitely want you to share a little bit more about your social media presence. I know that you have an Instagram and I've seen you post delicious foods and fun workouts. So share with everyone your handle and what sorts of things you are planning on doing for your social media. Awesome. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you like uh, my <laughs> handle is Dr. Harani Chenna. And I definitely post a bunch of workout videos, some shows showing how to, um, as well as lots of food. I am a foodie and I love to cook. That is my other passion. Um, my mom. You're totally is, my soul sister. That's like, that's like me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We, we are like super connected. So um, yeah, I love to cook. It's like not only my stress relief, but just my release in every way. So um, like to cook and like to work out. And then um, I will be posting a lot of chronic pain um, videos and information and also just um, even some simple stretches that I think help with some of the conditions that I treat in the pain clinic um, and ways to kind of be preventative um, to your point earlier and really um, try to optimize, you know, low back and core support so that you're not injuring yourself. Um, so yeah, so a lot of nutrition, a lot of fitness, a lot of interventional pain, um, and a lot of self-care, Ayurvedic medicine techniques and um, things to try. Awesome. And I'm smiling as you're saying that because I literally have videos and posts kind of in my archives that I haven't posted yet on exactly what you're saying, <laughs> like stretches yeah. and different, I know, right? different exercises and, and different information on chronic pain conditions. So we are like on the same wavelength and hopefully you and I can work, collaborate and work on some things together. That would be super fun. Yes, absolutely. Would love that. Awesome. Well, thank you again for taking your time out to record with me. Um, definitely looking forward to all the fun things you're going to be putting out soon. Thank you. And likewise. Awesome. Take care. Take care. Bye. If you've been following me for a while, you'll know how much I love Legree Fitness. It is a high intense, low impact workout on a machine called a Megaformer. Did you know that you have the opportunity to purchase a home machine called a Microformer? If you're interested in finding out a little bit more about the microformer, head on over to legreefitness.com or if you're ready to purchase a microformer, go to shopmaximumfitness.com and you can use my coupon code MICHELLEDANGMD to save on your own home fitness machine. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Wish Well podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. Please subscribe and follow along every week for new episodes. You can find us on Instagram at wishwell.health and at our website, wishwell.health.blog. Until next time, I wish you health and I wish you wellness.